Hey, everybody, welcome back to Founding University. Hey, this pod's doing great. We've got two new great talks here today. The first is by David Park from Jenny.ai. This is one of the portfolio companies that went through the launch accelerator last year. And he's going to do a talk about using social media to acquire customers for your startup. A lot of people have questions about this. How do I leverage the TikTok, the Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram? And he walks us through how he went from zero in MRR, monthly reoccurring revenue, to $40,000 with social media strategies and how you can create content at scale, even if you have limited resources. After that, Caitlin Peterson from Vanta is going to join us. And this was recorded during our Founder University two-day workshop. We do sometimes uh, an in-person workshop. You can find out more about that at founder.university. And Caitlin is going to talk about how to grow your top-line revenue through automated security compliance. Very important. You'll also learn about the importance of security and compliance at the early stage of your startup and how to streamline the process instead of spending money on overpriced consulting firms. So let's get right into these two important talks. All right. Thanks, Jason. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you how you can go from almost no sales to 40,000 MRR. We genuinely went from no social media presence to 6 million impressions per month in less than half a year. And I'll be telling you exactly how I did it and actually how my process would be improved if I had to do it all over again. So let's just jump right into it. To start, I would just like to show you this graph. You would think we launched in June due to the flatness of the line, but in reality, we've been working for over two years and saw very little growth until we took social media seriously. I know how frustrating it is when you've been lied to about build it and they will come, but I'm here to tell you they'll never come. There's so many tools being built every day. You need a way to cut through the noise, even if you have an amazing product. We followed this simple three-step plan that any of you can steal and implement today. The first is preparing your product, which is the least sexiest part of going viral and which is why it's not really talked about. But it's an essential part of the recipe, starting with improving your conversion rate. This is our conversion rate in January, or lack thereof. Uh, we had 139 people make accounts and none of them became paying customers. Some big changes we did here, we implemented some new features, ripped out some complexity and changed our model from freemium to free trial. If your product is at this point here, don't be afraid to go radical. We pivoted our core features. We pivoted markets. We were essentially a different app every other sprint, and it actually ended up uh, working out pretty well for us. Eventually, by March, we got a few wins, and we hit a 1.92% conversion rate, which isn't amazing, but compared to 0%, we were actually making money. By April, we were listening to users and tweaking our UX, and we hit 2.44%. By May, we hit 3% conversion, which felt pretty healthy. But remember, views can come on day one, but it probably will take you months of consistent work. So imagine the heartbreak if you go viral and none of that traffic turns into revenue. That's why conversion rates are super important even before you pick up the camera. All right, the next essential aspect before you even film is to increase stickiness. You want high NPS scores. You want people to spread your product via word of mouth. You want people to be engaged after they convert. And as you'll see later, getting some views, that's just the tip of the iceberg. To go viral, you need to have people want to talk about your product. For that, there's really no shortcuts, and we had to test a bunch of different hypotheses and methodically track them to make a stickier product. If conversion rate is the kindling necessary to even start a fire, the stickiness of your product is the gasoline that can turn 1 million views on your own platform into 10 million views of other creators or fans reacting or creating supplementary content. The last step is to speak to hundreds of users. A good sign you've done a good job of this is when you can predict the answer to any question you ask to a high degree of accuracy before they even respond. For example, we asked our users, what tools do they currently use when they write? Why do they use those tools? What's the most painful part about writing? Eventually, we pretty much knew the entire writing process of our users from front to back. And this intimate understanding will save you weeks of time when you start filming because you can start making content that your users will actually like and that they will want to consume. Now, one note is you can go viral without knowing your users. 
but it'll actually end up being a curse. I highly, highly don't recommend it because you'll end up with followers that weren't in your ideal user demographic. And now you're pumping content to an audience that will likely never convert. Now, all that we did in the first six months of 2022, but notice that our MRR went down. To an outsider, our startup right now, like at that point was uninvestable. I mean, it's ugly. But these six months were the most critical six months, even though it was the only time our MRR was continually going down. This is because we knew that what was more important than just trying to go viral immediately or getting a quick revenue lift was to set up a product that's poised to go viral and will effectively use that virality. When your product's ready, you can then begin to explore what content does well for your brand. We kept everything real simple and followed a basic structure. Here's the basic structure of all the videos we post. Hook, value, punchline. I mean, hook, basically, for example, a guy says, I lost 40 pounds in two months. Now I'm shredded. The value, you get to see him putting in the work. You see all, these pro- all this progress. And the punchline, the music drops, and you see this just Herculean Grecian god of a man, and you get that dopamine, and you kind of want to go to the gym, but you, but you never end up going. You want to use that format on as many different videos as possible. One growth tip is you want to take ideas from places outside of your niche. If you get inspired from your competitors, that's good, but you're likely capped at their success and their views. If you lift content ideas from other niches and frame it for your audience, that synergy could have outsized returns. And it's actually some of the few things, some of the things that we did at our startup that I'll talk, talk about later. When we first started, we actually did pretty well in terms of views, but the views didn't matter as much as feeling the water, testing a bunch of different videos and seeing which ones hit. As you can see here, we tried a straight up ad type video, educational writing video, an anecdotal video about college experience, talking about social life. And we were just testing to see, you know, what sort of content did our audience really resonate with. And exploring is the key word here. Before you exploit, you want to explore as far as you can. Every single platform where you can post videos, you should be repurposing your content for that platform. Here you can see the same video, the exact same video on IG Reels and TikTok. On one side, you could see that we got 3,000 views. And on the other, we got 127,000. Now, if we, if we never posted on TikTok and we only had a, an IG Reels account, uh, we'd be losing out on 127,000 views, which, would, which is terrible because that actually resulted in a lot of conversions for us. But at the same time, you don't want to just give, out, give away those free 3,000 views. You might as well collect the views on every single platform because you already made that content. And I couldn't find the exact video on TikTok, but I remember it was under 20K views and this is a pretty good replacement. But the same video on YouTube Shorts versus TikTok was less than 20K views to 1.4 million views. And that's just insane. So it just really shows the scale at which the same video can be picked up by one algorithm and completely shut down by another. Once you know what your audience responds to, you're ready to start shifting more into exploiting. Once you reach this final step, that's where the views really, really stack up. So this is a little more than one month in. Notice the average views of our videos are going up. As you get a feel for your audience, the quality of videos you make will just naturally elevate. Notice how half of the viral videos with over 100K views reference an essay due, sort of that time crunch. And that learning spurred us to make the most viral video we've had till this day. We're exploring for 1.5 months till we hit this banger. And this is what you're fishing for on your social media accounts. This video is still getting tens of thousands of views per week because it's still getting promoted by the algorithm. And this was posted probably a month ago, a month or two, actually. Anyway, social media, like most things, operate on the power law. If you win on social media, you usually win pretty big. And to just illustrate it once more, had we just posted on TikTok, we would have lost out on 5 million views. And it's funny because in the previous example, it was TikTok where one of our videos blew up and IG Reels where the video did poorly. You never know where the video will do well, so just post them everywhere. If you'll take anything from, from this talk, just trust me, just, just post it everywhere. And also trust me on the importance of finding your winning content type. We post a video that's part of this winning content type probably once or twice a week. Sometimes they go viral, other times they just do really well. For comparison, our average views on a video is two to five K views. 
So one of these videos is better than hundreds of our average videos. So just imagine the time slash money saved just by finding out your winning content type and seeing what sort of trends that your audience likes to see. This is a screenshot of our IG feed this week. Our latest videos are actually doing pretty poorly because we're exploring again. We're trying out two new influencers. We're changing up the backgrounds. We're trying out other viral trends. But remember, it's not about short-term success. It's about finding the winning strategies for your brand. We can always rely on our previous winning content types to keep widening that top of funnel while we're going out and exploring again. Now everything comes together. So uh, if you've seen the movie, The Social Network, there's a scene where Eduardo says, who are you going to send it to? And Mark says, just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? And that's kind of what happens when you have all of these three steps done well. For example, we were actually featured in the most viral Twitter thread in history. And I never spoke to this guy. And he organically found our tool through social media. He saw us and tried our tool. Thanks to step one, preparing a product. He liked the tool. It was sticky, which is also thing step one. And from there, everything kind of took off. We were the second tool on this list. And we had more likes slash retweets than the first tool. This led to tons of LinkedIn posts, giving us millions of impressions, medium articles with thousands of claps, long form YouTube videos, all shouting out Jenny AI and every platform you can imagine all organic, making each video we post a possible bomb that can inspire others to spread Jenny AI and just generally be fans of our product. When it's all said and done, we had 15 million plus impressions on our social media, 181,000 accounts created on Jenny AI, 100 million plus words generated, 20,000 plus followers gained, and we grew 70% month over month for six months. So this growth has been truly insane. And with this playbook, I think most early stage startups can mimic all, if not some degree of our social media marketing success. Just don't forward this video to any of my competitors. Just kidding. Not really. I want to end on three things. So one, there's always an element of luck. I hate presenters who are super rigid and say, this is how you succeed. And if you don't succeed, it means you didn't grind hard enough or you weren't Sigma enough or, you know, you can do a near perfect strategy and still miss out on success due to small things outside your control. So don't beat yourself up if you know, your growth doesn't look like this. It might just take a little bit longer to hit your milestones. Two, I'm really grateful to be allowed to speak on this podcast and share my learnings, but at least half of these learnings were imparted to me by my dear friend, Andrew Meng, who actually joined us and was in a lot of those videos that you saw today. His TikTok handle is at MengMengDuck. If you're a brand, you'll get equivalent, if not more value from speaking with Andrew and getting his infinite social media wisdom. And lastly, everything is case by case. If you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter. Or you can learn via osmosis by following my startup socials at whoisjennyai on all platforms. So I guess I'll end this by saying thanks to Founders University. Thanks to my mom. Shout out to my mom. I know you're watching this. Thanks to everyone at the Jenny AI team for doing the work behind the scenes to help propel and sustain our growth. That's Henry, Mark, Dandy, Haymont, Youngjin, and Rushi. And I wish everyone listening the best of luck and I'll see you on my social media feed. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Caitlin. As mentioned, I'm here from Vanta to talk to you about a strategy that we think is really powerful to help businesses of all size, but especially small businesses, stay competitive and ramp up in a downturn, which is to grow their top line and to stay competitive through streamlining your compliance to unblock uh, your sales team or even your own sales efforts and uh, to keep the flow of new clients and prospects in. So to go ahead and dive in, I'll share a little bit about myself, but more importantly about Vanta's story. And Vanta is a really unique and I think heartwarming, uh, endearing founder story. So I'm excited to share a little bit about Vanta's uh, founder story as well. Talk to you about the power of compliance and security and how that helps you to ramp up in a downturn. Um, talk about the old way, the good old fashioned way of security and compliance versus the new way and sort of like the next chapter or next generation of what 
uh, we think that looks like, and then very happy to field some questions. Again, I'm Caitlin. I'm the VP of Customer Experience at Vanta. As I said, I'm so honored to be speaking to this group. I grew up with two parents uh, that own their own businesses, several variations of their own businesses, actually on my mom's side, and saw firsthand the struggle, the heroism, and and just uh, you know the beauty of building your own business. So uh, honored to be here and, and celebrate all that you all uh, are doing. I've been with Vanta about a year. I had zero background in cybersecurity and compliance. I built a career working in support of small businesses at Yelp and spent a bit of time as well at Intercom, another, I think, kind of popular startup tool. When I found out that Vanta was helping startups in particular level the playing field to stay competitive in terms of building and maintaining good security posture, it immediately grabbed my attention. When I was interviewing with them, the ransomware attacks of last summer were sort of like making big news and It just felt like security and compliance is just a a really important frontier on the internet always, but uh, especially now more than ever. Enough about me on to Vanta's story. So if you haven't heard of us before, maybe you've seen us. This is uh, probably our catchphrase that we are most well known for, which is compliance that doesn't sock too much. I know that there's like a billboard milestone in a founder or startup journey. This one was ours. So really, Vanta is on a mission to protect consumer data and restore trust in internet businesses. An audacious mission and vision, as I'm sure you all have your own as well. We help companies scale security practices and automate compliance for the most sought after compliance standards, SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA for those in the healthcare space, GDPR, and most recently, CCPA here in California. Um, all right. So as mentioned, Vanta is a founder story. So meet Christina Cacioppo. This is our found, uh, co-founder and CEO. In 2016, there was a slew of high-profile data breaches, including the 2016 election, um, where everyone's emails were, of course, everywhere. There was also the Equifax incident. Um, so 2017, Vanta was uh, co-founded by Christina with the idea that if you give small companies the tools to start on security early... Uh, You can help them unlock deals and level the playing field when selling into the enterprise. More importantly, making the internet more secure in the process. So 2020, Vanta surpasses 10 million in ARR and helped almost a 1,000 customers improve their security, a milestone that we reach without even raising a Series A. And Christina has actually joined a Founders Founder You um, conversation. Historically, you can find that talk on YouTube where she talks about getting to 10 million ARR without a Series A. I think that was pretty popular, well-received. You can find that on YouTube. So 2021, Vanta raises its first round, 50 million round led by Sequoia. And 2022, followed by a 110 million Series B at a 1.6 billion valuation led by Craft Ventures with participation from other investors. Christina still today is an incredible co-founder and CEO. I always share that she has a brilliant mind and a great heart. She's known as the Midwest assassin hailing from Ohio. Her initial vision continues to inspire and excite in terms of to helping make the internet a more secure space, but also to empower startups, ensuring that compliance and security is not a 10-person team, $100,000 plus a year type of investment. All right. So I'm sure most of you already know this, but just to say it out loud, you know, why do compliance and security posture matter so much? Um, 
Security, of course, is an essential element of today's business. So this is kind of the scary stuff. An overwhelming majority of customers are willing to walk away from companies that experience a data breach. 60% of SMBs will experience a data breach. 60% of them will also go out of business within six months of a data breach. 38% of the cost of a data breach is due to lost business, right? So it's hard to regain trust back once it is lost, easier to build, harder to gain back. So this is kind of the scary stuff. This is sort of like the worst case scenario. But you know, we really believe that security is also just like good business. An overwhelming majority of customers are also willing to walk away from companies that can't provide proof of good security posture. It's no longer enough just to say you have good security posture. It's become increasingly important to demonstrate that you do. So this is from a survey that I'll share the link with everyone at the end of today's presentation in the chat. But, you know, people really want proof. And some of you may already be bumping up against this. Your prospective customers, 57% identified in this survey, but customers are going to want to understand what compliance certifications do you have? What best practices have you implemented? How can I be sure that our data will be safe with you and that our customers uh, will be cared for? Beyond existing customers and prospects, the survey also surfaced that 22% of founders and, and startup leaders are finding that venture capitalists, or excuse me, yeah, venture capitalists are also inquiring about the state of their security posture and asking for proof in support of that before really engaging in any serious conversation around investment. Gambling on security can be a losing bet. You know, 25% of startups have no security roadmap and 71% of startups have no dedicated security personnel in place. Again, this is from the survey. And like, that's understandable. This is a reality for good reason. When you are trying to get funding, when you are trying to establish product market fit, this feels important, but potentially a nice to have. But we are just seeing that increasingly this is not a, a nice to have. This is in fact a must-have. And again, why Vanta has been on a mission to democratize this a little bit and, and make it less of an overwhelming and expensive hurdle for startups. So in terms of the old way versus the new way, redefining the compliance status quo. Typically, you know, as an executive, you would spend hundreds of hours or delegate to someone on your team, likely one of your expensive technical hires to spend time researching compliance. Which standards do we need? What type of testing? What controls and policies matter for us? You would be reliant potentially on a third-party consultant for guidance. Sometimes you just have to throw money at this problem. We don't know what we don't know. Bring someone in who does. And then audit with a large firm. This is big traditional business and these firms cost a lot of money. You know, two to 400 hours of manual evidence gathering. You know, we like to think that we help businesses get away from screenshots and spreadsheets, which is really still today what a traditional audit experience looks like. And generally, less time spent closing deals, less time hiring, and less time innovating on your product and adding value to your customers and, and showing value to your prospects. All right. So with automation, you know, continuous monitoring within minutes. It's And we'll talk a little bit more about this shortly, but it's one thing to get compliant. It's another thing to stay compliant. And so the traditional process, right, screenshots and spreadsheets captures where you stand at a single point of time, continuous monitoring when you leverage the power of technology and integrations, you can stand up a security dashboard in minutes. Access to a team of security and audit experts in-house to navigate the requirements, 
automated testing and evidence gathering, as I said, through the power of technology, leveraging integrations that take just a few minutes to set up. And you can get audit complete in three to six months for 75% less cost. So I've already touched on some of these, but what are the motivators to explore a new path to get compliant and to build good security posture? Growth. Demonstrate security measures to close more deals while scaling security practices across a growing team. Time to completion, get it done faster and for less money and time. Expertise gap, eliminate the need to learn the ins and outs of security standards or to task your CTO with doing so. And then limited bandwidth. You know, we want founders and their early hires to focus on high value activities such as sales and engineering rather than compliance related distractions. All right. So that's kind of the old way, the traditional audit, hire the big team, bring in consultants versus the new way, leverage the power of technology integrations to stand up continuous monitoring, which helps you to get compliant faster, quicker, and cheaper. But there's sort of a next generation of compliance that's emerging that I actually think is even more interesting for small startups that is separate from rather the traditional compliance certification path. Um, so this is something like a trust report. So this is continuous compliance versus point-in-time proof and evidence. So what you're looking at here is just a mock-up of what we call a trust report. There are various products on the market that do this for you. You'll see here on the left that this is firstly a downloadable PDF. So when you or your first sales hire or a member of your sales team is on a call with a prospect and they're like, where do you stand? What is your security posture? What certifications do you have? If you have uh, certifications, you can upload them and store them in your system and then download proof of them as part of this report. But if you're just not there yet because you are adjusted at an earlier stage or you are generally working in that direction, you can demonstrate where you stand through this continuous monitoring over here on the right. And again, you know, SOC 2, so important, industry standard, but it shows where you stood on a Tuesday two months ago when your audit auditor signed off. Something like a trust report or a related tool or resource is going to capture a snapshot of where you stand today. What are you monitoring? What policies do you have in place? Is your team using screen locks? Do you have password protected? What is your onboarding and offboarding process, right? So this is really a like bespoke, you build it. And then you can just pull a PDF. And really what this helps to do is deflect those time-consuming security questionnaires that you will or have already been being hit with as you're talking to prospects. And so again, what I really love about this sort of next generation of compliance is two things. One, it is moving us away from this single point in time check where someone can immediately fall out of compliance or ignore the good security posture that they built the immediate, the day following their audit. But it's also empowering businesses that don't yet have those certifications in place. You can say, we're not quite there yet, but you can trust us. We've got great evidence to show you what our security posture looks like. I'm going to send you a link. You can download it yourself, distribute it to your team. You can also share this with your teammates, right? So rather than your CTO or yourself getting hit with these security questionnaires and then having to send something back to the field or your go-to-market team, you can democratize this and share it with them direct. So trust reports, as mentioned, you can proactively prove your company's security posture with or without compliance certifications. You can reduce the back and forth around vendor security reviews for anyone that has tackled these before. It is a beast and it takes a lot of time. You can decrease the request for security questionnaires if you simply enable your go-to-market teams to speak to these proactively before getting hit with the request for a security questionnaire. 
you can leverage the data to create a public security page, right? So you uh, can create a URL that links directly to this monitoring and enables prospects and customers to download the reports themselves. Uh, and as mentioned, you can democratize the security information across your organization. This stuff doesn't have to be siloed at the executive team or the um, the technical team. All right. So to summarize, you know, the power of compliance in security is real. As mentioned, I had zero background or really interest in this space until hearing what products uh, like what Vanta is building is doing. And as someone who's had a big heart and history in supporting small businesses, brick and mortar, or technology, really exciting to know that there are businesses out there prioritizing building for founders and, and small companies to ensure that they can stay competitive. Avoid fines, avoid losing customers because of really embarrassing and stressful data breaches, but also just unblock deals uh, as a means to help you ramp up in a downturn. The old way versus the new way. Old way, screenshots, spreadsheets, expensive, big four auditors. The new way leverages the power of technology, which I'm sure you are all already enthusiasts of. And then next generation compliance. How do we move away from show like building and showing great security posture as part of a compliance certification piece of evidence, but not exclusive to it? If you want to head to vanta.com forward slash founder you, you know, as mentioned, we help get you ready for security audits in weeks instead of months and automate up to 90% of the work. You can attend a demo, get a slick Yeti Rambler with Chug Cap. On this page, I believe that there's a, a special deal for Founder U participants. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up today's episode. If you want more tactical content, that's what we do here at Founder University, things that you can apply at your startup today, or even a mid-sized or large company, maybe you're at a big company, be sure to hit subscribe on YouTube or on your favorite podcast player. And if you've got an MVP or an idea and you want to build it into a company, we have a 12-week Founder University program. You can apply to it, founder.university slash apply. We've invested $25,000 into each of about 20 companies now to help them grow. And that's why we do Founder University. We want to meet founders early and get to know them. We trade all this knowledge to the founders. And sometimes they uh, turn them into very big companies and they let us invest a little bit of money in their companies, which we love uh, to be in partnership with founders. So again, you can apply for the upcoming cohort at founder.university slash apply. And if you want to present your own tactical talk here on this pod and you think you got what it takes, you can submit your presentation at founder.university slash submit. Yeah, just make a little presentation, send it to us. If it's really good, you might just get that phone call. Okay, we'll see you next time. <laughs>